You are listening to LGR Reviews on the Let's Get Ready Network. On this network, we talk about the movie trivia showdown, the first class league, sports, Star Wars, movies, TV, and more. If you're interested in supporting the network, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash LGR Network. And please leave a rating and a review of this episode. Enjoy the show. Fam, what is good? What is happening, everybody? It's your boy, Ferris Milana, and welcome to another edition of LGR Reviews. This week, we are reviewing episodes one and two of We Own the City, the miniseries by David Simon, the creator of The Wire. But I'm not alone. I'm never alone. I'm with my dog, Caleb. Caleb, how are you, my man? I'm good, man. It's my birthday right now. I was trying to celebrate right, so, you know. Let's, hey, man, let's, let's say, man, you know what? Let's, let's, let's celebrate right, Caleb. You, you, know, you know what the saying is? You know, two's a, two, two got homies. Three's a crowd, four is a party. Let's add two more people, man. Yeah. The fact that this show is about Baltimore, so we asked some of our homies who are born and bred in that region to come and join us. We got, uh, we actually got a film student. He's actually a film student who's actually in the industry. He's actually, you know, I'm not saying he was a part of the location scouting, but he knows about the location scouting. And we got an OG. I'm not gonna call him an old head because he ain't that old, but he is an old head a little <laughs> to me. I love you, Tony. Uh, but he's the one, the only. It is Deshaun. Deshaun, how are you, my man? That's not the What's old guy. Deshaun is the, yeah, the, the, the no, no. He's the, he's the film guy. It's the film guy. Deshaun told me that he was a part of you. Not you're a part of it, but you knew about the film scouting, right, Deshaun? Yeah, I did some locations work for uh, we on the city, just some minor stuff for. Uh, yeah, yeah. But now let's also add the fourth member of this crew to make it a party for Caleb. He is the old head. He's the one, the only. That's Hendo. Hendo, how are you, my man? He is. Oh, I hope he's not frozen. Is he frozen? Uh, good. Yeah, good. Am I frozen? Good. No, you're not frozen. Right, you're good. good, Tony. You're good, good Tony. All right, it's man. Let's, hey guys, How y'all feeling? We're doing good. I'm doing. I'm doing good, Tony. I'm doing good. We're doing. We're doing. We're reviewing a great show with great people. So I really ask for in life, right? Great show, great people. Let's talk about it, man. Right away, when y'all heard this was happening, right? Because I ain't from Baltimore. Neither is Caleb. We're West Coast people. Nope. When 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 you when y'all heard there's like another show about Baltimore, what was going through y'all minds? Let's start with you, Tony. Tone? Tone? Is he I think he's frozen. Let's go to Deshaun yeah, first. Let's go to Deshaun first. Deshaun, what about you, my man? Uh, so for me, when I first, I first heard about it through work for real, because um, a friend of mine's got a, a production assistant job on it, and I was really just looking at it trying to get work for real. So I got to do, like I said, a little bit of locations work. That's just some real minor stuff. I didn't really get to work on set and anything like that, but um, I did. I was signed up to be an extra on the show, <laughs> but I overslept. So that yeah. was that. But um, honestly, I was. I thought it was just dope because you don't see a whole lot filming in Baltimore, um, at least from my perspective, from what I've seen. Um, a lot of on-location shooting in Baltimore, so it was dope for me just as an opportunity for you know people who want to learn about films to get work for That's the way I looked at it. Tom, what about you, my man? Um, I learned about it through life experience. Um, I grew up in the city, so I was a part of it. I heard about it. Uh, most of the locations that they talk about, you know, I grew up, had family living there, so it, it's not just TV for me. That and The Wire was a part of my life. Like, I, I grew up in the ghetto. Like, that's where I started from. Move from the ghetto into the heart of the city, so it's all life experience for me, bro. Yeah, all right. Well, you know what? Let's get right into it, man. Episode one, we find is is a couple years after Freddie Gray's. What they're telling me, I think 2017 is, is the year we pick up into it, and they get right into it like the way that their way it's policing the the city, uh, kind of how like cops have kind of like given up. They like they don't care no more. It's what I it's what I was getting from it, right? Uh, and how like. But they're really focusing on this one task force, the gun trace task force. And I didn't know this task force existed. I didn't I didn't know nothing. I, this is actually based on a book. Have y'all read the book? Has anyone read the book? Because I didn't know there was a book. No. no? Yeah, there was a book by no, a Baltimore. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's a book written by a Baltimore Sun reporter about the gun trace task force and the ultimate corruption of the 
organization, the uh, a district attorney from the civil rights uh, department of the DOJ is coming to investigate, kind of like overhaul the police department and like kind of do a, a review. How did y'all like that part? So let's start with you, Caleb. How did you like when you were watching it? Three yeah. Um, so go, yeah, going into the uh, show, like I, I didn't know anything about uh, any of the true events that happened uh, that they're trying to portray in the show. Um, really just had no, uh, knew nothing about it. Just, uh, just watched it because it was on HBO and then HBO puts out good shit. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch, uh, at least check it out, you know, and, you know, I got hooked on it uh, um, real quick, you know, seeing what it was about, the fact that the, uh, the, the corruption that goes on in the whole police force in the whole city of Baltimore and that they're just like, you know, like like you said, they just don't care, or they're just trying to get, you know, paid, and that's it. They're not really trying to fix anything, or you know, really um, trying to make so better. But there are like, but I do what I do like about it. They do show the good cops that are tr trying to step up, trying to um, speak up, but they just kind of be put aside, and they're not really, you know, giving their due. And it's really just focus on this, yeah, you know, like I said, this one task force that's. You know, stealing, jack, jacking on the uh, um, all the criminals, all the drugs, and the the um, guys who run guns and all that stuff. Um, yeah, they're just stealing their shit and um, profiting off of them. And yeah, well, it's training because they just need to. Like it's just like that they just they because they they can't really afford anything. So is it them or they can't police right because of other events that happen? Like you said, very great stuff. That they don't feel like they can please right so might as well just you know do what they can do and that's it you know so uh, i'm really liking that part of, um part of the show right now all right Sean, what about you my man um so i like the first episode it was you know i'm always gonna look at things like from a different angle just because i'm a, a film student and that was sort of my lane but um it was shot really well i do like that it was shot like what's the word i'm just looking for not not in the same continuity that you would think like not from one event to another it wasn't shot in sequence it was you linear. see flashbacks yeah. yeah linear that's the word i'm looking for uh it was shot in flashbacks you see stuff that took place um i think they were talking about like 2005 and 2003 that kind of shaped what these characters um are now in present sense so i do like that because you sort of get like an explanation you sort of get to understand who these characters are a little bit more um i did like the scene though where they had the guy that was in an interrogation in jail where you also saw him like in the flashback he was you know breaking into people's cribs and stuff like that so mamadou gandu um, or at least gandu. yeah gandu gandu yeah. so he was uh, the driver yeah, so um, it's definitely interesting. I get a lot of vibes that I got from The Wire, um, which was another great show, um, obviously. Not just because a lot of the cast and ensemble is from The Wire, but that is another aspect that I do like that they brought back some of uh, your favorite characters from that show, too. So I really liked episode one, um, episode two as well. I know we're going to talk about that, but uh, so far it starts off really strong. Tony, your thoughts, my man. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I like the way in the beginning how it started off, how he told them, listen, if we lose the fight, we lose the streets. And it kind of set everything going forward as to how they would police his influence on everybody, um, his justification for the brutality. Now, he was giving them ways around the system, and he said something that kind of reminded me of an old movie, um, Basic, with John Travolta. And in that movie, they were like, if we tell the story right. So that's pretty much, he, he said, if you write your reports correctly and you tell the story right, you can basically get out of anything. And I, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate. I grew up around some of these cops. So well, not from the show, but just around cops in general. And listen, it ain't all what it's cracked up to be, but for, as far as the show goes, I appreciate how they portrayed it, the cinematography of it all. Like it, it was actually pretty much on point. Man, well, yeah, man, I I quite enjoyed it, man. Me, hey, you say David Simon, I'm like, 
where where is it and i'm watching you know what i mean that's the way it is because that because the wire is one of my favorite tv shows of all time you know he he did the deuce he did treme uh they're, they're, I, I quite enjoy those shows as well but like yeah man the way the way it just it just feels like extremely real and like tactful you can you can you can feel the the the, the moments you know what i mean that's the way i, I like the, the first episode and just like I'm with you, Deshaun. I like how it's not like point A to point B to point C, point point D. You know what I mean? I like how it's like point A, let's go back to point F, then let's come back to point D, then let's hop back to point A. You know what I mean? So like you gotta you gotta use your brain, you know? And like I like how like um they use um the cop report as a way to hop back in time. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's like yeah, that's a, that's a good uh, transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going that's a great transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Jenkins, Wayne, uh a search and seizure warrant, uh, December 5th, 20, 20, 2015 or 05, you know what I mean? And I'm like, yo, man, this is pretty good. Cause I'm pretty sure like, cause when we first see Jenkins, he's in full uniform with the, with the baton in his hand, flipping it. Yeah. So I'm thinking that's the end of the show because he doesn't have any facial hair. He's clean shaven, meaner, pissed off. So I'm thinking he, he, he didn't get fired. He was just put on a street duty. You know what I mean? Like that's that's like, and I'm just like, yo, this is, this is wild to me because because like we we know point A to point B, point C. That's how movies and TV shows are made. We go from A to B to C, but this one's like A to D to F, back to D, and now back to A. And I quite enjoy that because it keeps me on my toes. I don't know what time period we're on. I need to connect dots, you know. And then like the interrogation with the cops. You know, let's get right into it. Like when when, when the interrogation with the cops, because it all starts with off with a drug overdose in Baltimore County, now Baltimore City, Baltimore County. They connected to the city because they're following a major drug dealer. Um, I don't know. Is it his name is Shropshire? I don't know his first name. <laughs> listen, listen, his... listen. I'm sorry, I cut you off, yeah. but this is this is bringing back memories for me. Um, his name is Antonio Shropshire. Antonio Shropshire. Antonio, and the reason that it, it, it's it's so clear to me is because my ex-wife's name is Shropshire and he might be a relative and when I and when I saw it it kind of brought me back to oh yeah that's where they grew up at and it it, it kind of hit real close to home but that's how I know his name because Shropshire is not a common name anywhere it's not it's not, it's not. so now well Tony let's go to you man when when you first go into the Baltimore County drug overdose um you know conviction or like investigation how do you how do you think about that you know what i mean did you know about the baltimore county connection or was that not talked about i didn't know about the baltimore county connection and that's how things got kicked off but it it, it just kind of gives you a, a scope of what's going on around around here it's not just in the city you know um all the surrounding counties of baltimore are kind of considered baltimore to some people and the police departments don't really work too well together or work that much together but in this case they were trying to bring down a drug lord and it so happened that all this tied together leading them to find uh g money and that's how the whole investigation started because they found out g money's connection to everything and they heard him on a wiretap admitting to drugs so that's what kicked everything off well uh, thank you for bringing that up tony deshaun i want to get your thoughts like how just like blatant and he didn't care that he was talking about drugs on a phone. This is a cop who knows about wiretapping, just clearly on his phone talking about like, oh yeah, I'm helping this criminal sell some drugs. Like what was going through your mind when you were like, yo, are, are these people that dumb? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what do you it think? Would honestly, it would honestly surprise you how many simple-minded mistakes uh, the dudes be making. But um, I'm not necessarily from the city and I'm more from the county area. And that's why, you know, I'll kind of defer to Hendo on some of the aspects that he knows what was actually going on in the city at the time. But what I can say um, about the county police is that it is kind of um, a picture that's painted a certain way that, you know, the county that, oh, nothing goes on there. But if you really think about it, at least for me, I live in Baltimore County, but the city is really like 20 25 minutes away without traffic so you really kind of see how easy it is for you know that stuff to kind of transfer over from the city into the county too so 
that was interesting to think about. And to your point about, uh, you know, getting caught up on the wiretaps, you would think, think that more people uh, know about that or be smarter and more intelligent, <laughs> at least when it comes to how they operate. But I don't know, bro. Like, I kind of go to expect it a lot of times, especially in TV shows, that the criminal sort of has to make a ignorant mistake in order to get the events kicked off to kind of give that detective that kind of extra push or that extra assist to, you know, help them figure it out in the end. But yeah, yo, I couldn't believe he got caught up on a wiretap. Like <laughs> that's I can I can that's I can believe that's it. rookie. It, it's not it's not it's not and it's not a mistake. It's actually hubris. Just mm-hmm. like um you saw when they, when they feel like they are above the law and are untouchable they don't care about the mistakes because even at the end he had the fbi putting him in handcuffs and he's like do you know who i am you are a baltimore city police officer talking to the fbi like do you know who i am yeah we know who you are that's why we're arresting you so it's not a mistake like they just felt like they were really above the law yeah that's what i I thought because it it really shows how commonplace this cop culture is that they just like to get away with anything because they honestly can give. I mean, they ha- hasn't caught up with them up to that point. You know, um, even their bosses ahead of them are even like, oh, we'll, we'll take care of this and that. Like, it's, it's no big deal. Or any complaints are just dropped or they're getting away with uh, uh, this and that because they're having these uh, people come up and signing things for uh, that they won't sue against false arrests and all that. So it just feels like, well, they're never going to get caught up. So, you know, I don't even have to be that careful. And that kind of goes to a a deeper point where it's like, and you kind of saw this in the wire as well. And it's one of those types of techniques that I think transferred over. Um, When the police have their meetings and stuff with the chiefs and the captains and whatever, they talk about the people like just statistics, just like numbers on a board for real. It just goes to show you the lack of humanity and how they just, they don't necessarily view the people they're trying to protect as people. They're just numbers to meet a quota for real. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You kind of like, like, let's go to the quota. Like you kind of overload the docket to get paid overtime, basically like just arrest all eight of them. They all got the drug charge. Even though only one of them had like the gram of cocaine in their pocket or crack. Yeah. is like arrest them all for conspiracy. You know, basically like that's actually what's happening to uh to young thug, and gonna they're 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 wrapped up in this conspiracy rico charge that they that that people think that they're benefiting so like it's kind of like all jumbled up a little you know kind of i did have a question um i don't know what was my question i had a question but i kind of it kind of lost on me man but it is what it is so and, that kind, talking, of, uh, and that's oh, kind of shown too in that one scene where like um i can't even think of the main character's name but when he was on rookie duty and he was um when and he was working when, when, when James was working with uh his partner or whatever um in the flashback scene where they was talking about O'Malley said he was gonna have this number of arrests or he was gonna get the number the murder rate cut to this number by November or something like that. So you know we just gonna go around arresting people if anything just to keep them from doing something potentially. You know what I'm saying? Like arresting threatening to arrest people standing on their front uh, porch, you know what I'm saying, just to get them off the street, just to get them off the area, just for, you know what I'm saying, numbers. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's all portrayed in that show. Well, you know, I want to talk about the the, the governmental aspect of it, the, the Civil Rights Department of the DOJ. Uh, I believe I believe the character's name is, is it Nicole Wallace? Is it Nicole Wallace? Hold up. Uh, uh, Nicole okay. Steele. Nicole Steele, like, how how prominent was she in the city? Did did everybody know her name, or did, was she just like flying underneath the radar? No one knew what was going on. Like, how how prominent was this in the city, Tony? Like, did you know what was going on? Did everybody know what was going on? Like, was not, it just like, no, not at all, not at all. But you know, we we figured that there would be some kind of governmental cover up or something just to say, look, we're involved, we're engaged, we're trying to do something to make things better. But we don't pay attention to that because this happens all the time. Like these these people come through, try to make a name for themselves, try to solicit change, but it never really happens. This stuff has been going on 
for forever since I've been born. I've been in Baltimore since 1975, and this has been going on since then. When I when I like, let's see, like now let's talk about the the characters. Like how y'all like John Bernthal as Wayne Jenkins? Did y'all know who the hell he was? Kevin? Yeah, I recognize the what? From, oh. oh yeah, yeah, you go ahead, Caleb. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I love John Bertha. I think he does great in most things he's in. Um, he's great at playing these yo bat yo villain kind of characters. I mean, he, he started um, doing that um, where how he got notoriety from Shane. The Walking Dead, playing a cop, you know, and being the villain cop um, in that in that show. So I think he does a really good job in this show. That I mean, that that's one of the reasons why I started watching the show, just because I like John Bertha and how, how he acts. And so I, I I think he's doing a great job in this. John, you had something? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, like, I was a fan of, of his from The Walking Dead as well. And that's where I recognized him from. Uh, I think he does a really good job. Uh, he kind of does have that. <laughs> I don't know how, how you would describe it, but the mannerisms of a white guy in Baltimore City that you would typically see, like, he kind of, it kind of fits. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, so it kind of made sense the more I've seen him, like, portraying that character and interacting within like the surroundings but i really like uh john bernthal um and uh i don't really have a problem with none of the characters uh none of the casting really it all seems pretty well done to me uh -huh. tom what about you my man when, when i saw this guy i was like really this dude come on <laughs> but but after watching him deshaun's right the mannerisms the speech and everything, he nailed it. Like yeah. they, they, I don't think they could have picked a better dude. Like he, he got the part down right. And I actually think they made good choices as far as the cast members go all the way around. Did y'all know what a consent decree was? Because I didn't know what a, a consent decree was on a police department, like where they're being like doing their job while also being investigated at the same time. I've never heard that. Well, did y'all find out stuff that you never knew about beforehand, Tony? Oh yeah. Like I've yeah. never heard of that before either. Yeah. You know, it kind of gave you a look into the inner workings behind the scenes. But once again, it's all for the most part paper pushing. And I'm surprised that they actually went as far as they did in, in investigating it. But yeah, I mean, I learned quite a bit watching the show. And I'm just I can't wait to see what's gonna happen going forward. Sean, what was something what was something you found out, Sean, that you're like, oh whoa, 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 what what, what is that? So I want to say I was in high school when um, the police chief, uh, Anthony Batts, got fired. I want to say I was in high school or maybe like my first year of college. And I remember my folks talking about it, but I just never like really understood why. But then when they show the scene of uh, Nicole Steele talking to um, Mayor Rawlings Blake, who I was not much of uh, in her stuff either but um when she was talking about why she fired him uh and stuff like that i never knew that was the conversation had about that so that was something for me that um was kind of insightful caleb what about you my man uh yeah I, I mentioned earlier the the whole like when they get a they were trying to get people off the streets so they can cause violence and whatever and they're just arresting them for no types of reason and uh and when they do go get to the jail they get have to go to uh they have to go through this process where they have to either sign um to get left free and they won't sue the city for a false arrest or they have to stay there longer and actually go through the whole you know having an arraignment and whatever that that, that blew me away i was like no idea about that that's not um, it's not an old, that's not a normal process yeah yeah that, that's some trick that's some tricky stuff that they put in at that time that that wasn't normal at that time yeah, because apparently, because it was like the, so they were it was, they were so overflowed, they just put a legal a, a legal aid at the jail to like just do the process. It, it, threw, it blew me away as well. I was I was thrown out. But that's the government like taking advantage of citizens not knowing their rights. And I mean, it mm -hmm. could go all the way deeper back into like what we teaching kids in public education and stuff like that too. But you know, when you have a city full of people where they're not necessarily aware of their rights, it's easy to say. Yeah, we can arrest you all and then just sign this piece of paper so you can go home real quick. That way you can't sue us and we meet our quota for arrest, too. It's like a win-win for them. But the people that they're supposed to protect and serve get put through the ringer and without even knowing that they're supposed to be compensated for it. 
Well, actually, guys, I think I think I think we've talked about episode one a lot, but there's just one episode at the very end that I want to get y'all's opinions on. When when they lure Wayne Jenkins into a building, and the cops just jump on him and arrest him, and they put him in this interrogation room, and the the, the interim police chief walks in and just looks at him, and he just looks at him and like it's just like the stare down. Then he walks out and was like, everyone else had fear or shame. He yeah. had no shame. He had no fear. He didn't care. What was your guys' thoughts in that moment of like, yo, that's some, that's some, that's some like good nonverbal acting. Like I, yeah. I, I, was, like, I was like, whoa. I was like, yeah, that, that, that was what the whole sequence of events that, that were taking place of him just coming in and everybody just kind of like not giving the same reaction that he normally goes through. And then just thinking, oh, I'm just it's just a regular, you know, day. I'm just going in for whatever. And then him just finding out, and then him getting arrested, and just his his, his demeanor and uh, his whole attitude was kind of like, what are you, like, what are you doing? Like, I'm, you know, like, like who do you like, think like, you are? Him. Yeah, it's like um, he he was doing a great job. Like that that whole scene was one of my favorite sequences. Uh, you know, this show so far. How about you, Deshaun? Uh yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was, you know, elite acting and um yeah, I just <laughs> I can't really say too much about it. I don't want to spoil nothing, but um yeah, I really enjoyed uh that whole sequence of like you said, nonverbal acting. Sometimes the best acting is when things aren't said and you can just see the actors like expression and and like it goes back to what we were saying about the mannerisms, how he's nailed that and everything. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that last sequence. Okay. What about you, Tony? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was very powerful. Um, I may have looked at it a different way than others because the way I saw it was the commissioner was actually going in to look him eye to eye to see if he thought he was guilty or not. And the look that he gave him back, he was kind of like, yeah, he did this. There's no need to back him. There's no need to fight for him. Just do what you got to do. And he walked out. Yeah, Sam, I agree with you, Tone. So now let's transition to like episode two. Uh, so episode two, it's kind of a, like like you said, Deshaun, kind of a uh, back and forth, hopping back in uh, time periods because we go all the way back to um, Wayne Jenks' rookie year where he's being taught how to police in the city where it's like, like I said, oh, one of them got the one of them got the drugs. They all got the drugs. Just arrest them, arrest everybody, so we can get paid. And then also, you know, kind of um, distinct with uh, with the Raymond um, FBI interview, where he's literally just spilling everything, saying like, "Yo, man, we had the crookedest crooks, the baddest mofo's on the planet. Y'all put me in a group of people like, cause he knew he was a crook. So he was like, y'all thought I was a crook." Y'all put me in a group with bigger crooks than me. So what do you think was going to happen? And like he tells a story how like he was going to get suspended, but they didn't get suspended because they kind of forgot about him and kind of elapsed. Like, what are your guys' initial thoughts on episode two? Let's start with you, Caleb. What about you, my man? Yeah, it's a uh, good episode. Um, the the it's show, going back and showing how because he wouldn't then always start this way of um, being who he was and how he was acting, whatever. Um, I mean, go back to the first episode. He was, you know, uh, it started him off um, talking about how to conduct yourself as a police officer. And, you know, obviously he doesn't act like anything he uh, he was talking about. And because he was learning from the, his training officer um, that, you know, that, that anything they teach you in that uh, police cat was all bullshit. Like, this is the way you got to deal with these these type of criminals and um, do, the, um, do what you got to do. And... Yeah, so, so uh, and then we saw um, the the him telling the whole process of how you make money uh, with all uh, cheating uh, on overtime and um, what you have to do to get uh, this amount of rest so you can get this bonus and that bonus. You know, that, that was all like, wow, that, that, that was super, super crazy to me. What about you, my man, Sean? Yeah, so my favorite part was the interrogation um, when the guy was – pretty much just spilling everything because that was a part of it. I didn't even think about, you know what I'm saying, having guys on the street that you wouldn't even suspect them of being cops for real. And whole time, you know, just because there's such a stigma about the police in Baltimore, 
or not even in Baltimore specifically, but just like, you know, within the black community, there's just this stigma about, you know, the police and working with the police that, you know, you see the top guys in this show now are undercover police. So that's like a different spin that I wasn't necessarily expecting. And, you know, to listen, like what he was saying was real. Um, when you kind of sit back and think about it from a non-biased perspective, is like, how you going to expect me to play by the book when everybody I'm in here with and done 10 times worse than me? You know what I'm saying? So it's really just about, um, you know, in that character's eyes, just playing the game. You know what I'm saying? Don't even worry about the rule book. Don't worry about ethics and morals. You just got to do what you got to do to, you know, fit in. So. Tony, about you, my man? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's not surprising, but it was just eye-opening of the process of you have these new cadets coming in to their first shifts and their officers that they ride out with are saying, look, all that stuff you learn, forget about it. This is how we do stuff over here. And unfortunately, cops don't make a lot of money off a straight salary. So they have to do what they have to do to get overtime and so forth. And this guy was like, listen, if you want to make the money, this is what you do. So, of course, if you want to make that money, you have to kind of slight the books a little bit, do some things that are unethical. Now, when it came to the interview with uh, Rayum, like I like that hit home to me because I'm like, uh, I was a correctional officer and jail teaches you how to be a better criminal. So if you take a crooked cop and put him in a unit with cops more crooked than you are, all you're going to do is learn how to be a better crooked cop. So that's what happened. And the fact that he got caught stealing money and they gave him two years paid leave just blows my mind. That's how they do it. And that's mm -hmm. why there's no accountability. Like I do some foul stuff and I get to take a two year paid vacation basically. Mm -hmm. And and I can get a job somewhere in another district, and still get paid as a cop. Absolutely, absolutely. Because because the, the first part of the episode, um, I remember um, Raymond Rayan. So I don't know how to say is Raymond. I think it's Rayam. It's Rayam. It's Rayam. Rayam. So Rayam is walking past Jenkins, and then Jenkins is like, "Yo, just keep your mouth shut. Shut up. Don't say a single goddamn word. Yeah. Don't say nothing. Don't say goddamn nothing. I know the plan." And they shove. Jenkins in this booth and it's very clear how the, the FBI agents aren't talking to Jenkins at all because they're like he ain't giving us he's gonna he's not gonna give us nothing right. we have figured out that he's the man that's stone cold silent Mamadou G money and Ram they we press them then we'll get them and they press them both and they got the information out of them you know G Money just admits to being in Shropshire's Cop Connect in the very first episode. It's like, yeah, I know him. He was my homie. He talked drugs all the time. Like, like without hesitation. Then um, Ram is like, yeah, we stuck up people. We stole 10 grand. We did all of this. And the Jenkins is like, I, I was built within this code that I was taught by my, my, my FTO and by Mike Fries. You know, they kind of make fun of Mike Fries kind of makes fun of him when he brings the small crabs to the to the, right. to the cookout. It's, it's like basically like how you see like how big bad Jenkins sees himself. He gets emasculated by the people who are above him and bigger and badder who created the GTTF, the Gun Trace Task Force. So they cut him down to pieces real quick. You know, what I mean, it's like the it's like the bully who got bullied, but is, is the bully to everybody else. And like there's and then like there's his brother that whoops his ass. Like that's what it is basically. But listen, Ferris, yeah. it you can't listen in Baltimore, you can't come around no party with no small crabs, bro. Like, like you will get you will get I stabbed. Can't. Like you cannot come with no <laughs> even medium, even mediums and to an like you can't like you gotta come I with figured extra that out long, real quick. Bro. I quickly figured that out when I was watching the scene. I was like, note note to self when I'm in Baltimore, extra large crabs. Big crabs all the time. On. <laughs> big crabs only, bro. You know what I mean? Big crabs, big crabs. You know what I mean? So yeah, man. So like, yeah, man. So like, so he's being taught this one thing. Um, Ray is not listening to what Jenkins is, and then Ray tells the FBI people, "Yo, man, if you want people to talk, keep them away from Jenkins. Keep them away from Jenkins, and they'll talk. If Jenkins get near them, they ain't talking. And like, they're making Jenkins like this." borderline boogeyman basically 
Like, what were y'all thinking about that? Like, Deshaun? Well, well, my thing, it kind of surprised me to see him, like, when they was when Jenkins was walking past Ram, to see him start, like, wilding out like that. Because, like, bro, that don't make no sense to do all that yapping and yelling when the CEOs and the FBI is right here. Like, clearly they can tell you, you know what I'm saying, in cahoots with something. So it's like, why are you going to do all that shouting and be so obvious about it? But, um, yeah, you know, I think they trying to set him up to be sort of like the scapegoat. Um, you know what I'm saying? I think there's still, we still going to be in for some more surprises in the next couple episodes. But, um, as of right now, it just kind of seems like they making him out to be the scapegoat, but I don't even think he was, I really don't think he's the one that's, orchestrating it all. I mean, I know that's what they say, and I know that's what, like, they imply, but something tells me it's, it's deeper than just him. Caleb? Um, yeah, the, um, he, he was, uh, um, he's not the, the one that put the task force together. I mean, you just, um, but yeah, they like you said, you're just trying to um, pin it on him, and he's, he's trying to keep it, he obviously became, you know, someone of a uh, just because he's a figure in the police force of, of being well known, I think that that's why they're, you know, the other cops, you know, mayor. Some some cops may may not uh, be afraid of him or whatever, or afraid to speak out against him. Obviously, the guy that they were interviewing wasn't, you know, he's one to, you know, I'm gonna tell everybody, and you know, the other other cop was too. So, you know, that, that Tone, about you, oh my back Tone. Now he may not have been the ringleader. But what happened was he put himself out there. Like he was always the loud one, the flashy one. He was going, listen, he was going around giving seminars to his higher ups on how to police. When you put your name out there like that, you become a target, whether you are doing right or you're doing wrong. And apparently he was doing a lot of wrong. And being a ringleader in the face of crime in the police department, they had to make an example out of somebody. Like when something happens to make people feel secure, you have to put a face to the criminal. And unfortunately, he was the one. And he went down for it. Yeah, you but one thing they're going to get you eventually. Yeah, but one thing that I don't think that they said or that they portrayed or they're going to portray later on is they try to make it seem like that this task force were only targeting um drug dealers. They weren't. Like they pulled regular people off the street and what they would do is they would get your driver's license and find your address. And then later on, come back and rob your house. Like you didn't have to be a drug dealer; you could have just been a regular dude driving a nice car. And they were just mm-hmm. robbing left and right. I think but they kind of alluded to that with the scene with the dude and his son in the car. I was about to, I was about to, yeah. I was about to transition to. They start <laughs> now talking about bringing up this this one cop. His name is Hersel. Uh, I think it's I think it's John Hersel. I believe I don't know if that's his name, but they this this portion portion of the show is all about him. And how Nicole Steele is getting to the bottom of like, how can a cop who has over 50 complaints, not only one are sustained, still be on the street? And just like you said, Deshaun, let's go right into it. The scene where he is punking Slim Charles. I just want to point out I'm calling Slim Charles because <laughs> he is. Cause he is <laughs> that's, that's who he is, Slim Charles. That's, 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 that's you know, I mean, like, who plays, who plays uh, who's from The Wire when they're watching this TV show? You know what I mean? Like I saw, like I saw, like I saw, like eight people in the first two episodes. I was like, I, know I can't believe they got my man Marlo as a fed now, yeah. Yo, Marlo, hey yo, that's crazy. Marlo, in the great words of Bunk, he's murder police. That's what Marlo is. He's murder police. He's a rookie murder police. He's rookie murder police. So, so yeah, so Herschel in that situation, Deshaun, take me through what was going through your mind, my man. So. Obviously, I was pissed because, you know what I'm saying, uh, that's a scene that kind of hits home because it's like you can't help but put yourself in his shoes. It's like that's something we always deal with. It's like if the police stop you and pull you over, you almost got to, like, comply with everything they say. They can punk you around. They can treat you like shit. They can do whatever. And, you know, that's just one of them scenes that, just really hit home and like piss you off but um yeah for me that was like you were saying they was getting people's ids and going back and robbing a house and stuff like that that i that was something i wasn't even hip to so like once again you go back to stuff that you you know learning constantly 
do this show and seeing different stuff that goes on. Um, <clears throat> that was something that I wasn't even hip to in the first place. So definitely learned something new there. Mm-hmm. Tom, let's go to you, my man. Um, you know, it, it, we've had discussions offline, and this is another powerful scene for me because, unfortunately, you have another white man pull over a black man, and the saddest part about it was he was in front of his child. So now you have the patriarch of your family being bossed around like a kid and your child has to sit there and see that. Like it just, it it brought back some, some feelings for me. Um, but it, that's how it goes. And it's not just in Baltimore. This happens in a lot of different places, but just to take that man's identification and his cards and just throw them on the ground, like that dude took it too far and how he got, well, we know how he got all those complaints Mm -hmm. and they had pictures, files and everything. And for him to still continue to be on the streets, you know, it, it, it's corruption that goes to the top. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So the, the, the complaints like get dropped because of all by statistics, because he makes arrests and makes the police look good. And when the police look good, that makes the government who put the people in charge of the police look good and that gets them reelected. And it's like a whole system that's just, you know, doesn't help, uh, just, just covers for the uh, the bad, uh, the bad cops that uh, you know treat treat people like this. Like that's how they keep getting away with it, and uh, all the all the complaints get dropped. It's it just, I mean, if the numbers look good, it, and then they're not going to do anything about it. You know, mm-hmm. it goes yeah, back to cars. You know what I'm saying? You can, mm-hmm. you know, disrespect the man in front of his kids. You can, you know what I'm saying? Call him everything but a child of God. You can bash another man's head in until he bleeds and knock him out on the street. But as long as you meeting that quota and you helping them reach them numbers, they'll just turn the blind eye to it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And like Hendo said, it don't just happen in Baltimore. It happens, honestly, you know, any, anywhere there's black people, it happens. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm just glad that HBO and, you know, a platform that big is exposing it for Because sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like, the only way people will pay attention to something if you you dress it up cinematically and and put it on a big screen. So, hopefully, people will start paying closer attention. Yeah, man, because there's there's always this phrase they love to use. Oh, there's a couple bad apples. There's a couple bad apples. I'm like, but yeah, but here's the thing. But if there's five bad apples and a thousand good apples, and a thousand good apples don't say nothing about the five bad apples, Mm. There's a thousand and five bad apples. But even after that, uh, the, 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 those few um, good apples that try to say them, they were shut down. Get, like, yeah, they get placed somewhere you, else. And, thank you, Caleb, for bringing that up. But now let's talk about it. How'd you guys like the behind the scenes? Because like, I'm pretty sure us normal civilians wouldn't get what Nicole Steele was trying to do because you know it's probably not all up in the news all the time. But right. she, like, how'd y'all like seeing what she was doing through this show? Like how she finds out that there was a cop who didn't like that they were doing mass arrests and the way they the way they rewarded him by telling him like all right we're gonna put him out on like this far the pasture, the pasture. like it's like young cop i think probably he looked 25 25 26 maybe he just wants to be a good cop trying to do his job trying to help the neighborhood but they're like nah you're not following the code go out to the boonies like what was going through your minds tony what were you thinking man um, you know me, I'm negative Nelly. Um, I appreciate everything that her, her that her character portrays and everything that she tries to convey through concern and civil rights and all these other things. But we always know that the deeds of the few never really affect the many. So That's real. I appreciate I appreciate what, what she's trying to do and what her organization is trying to do, but it is such on such a small scale that they didn't get anything accomplished. Mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, Like you said, I appreciate the sentiment and I appreciate that there's people that do give a shit, but at the same time, like it goes back to the term about bad apples, right? Mm -hmm. I like what Chris Rock said about it. You know, why is it that there just can't, there can be jobs where you just can't have bad apples. Like, Mm -hmm. When you fly in planes, you can't have people just say, all our pilots are great. Every once in a while, we got one that just likes to fly into the side of a mountain. Right. They don't work like that. You know what I'm saying? So, and in this portrayal, you kind of see that 
it's more than a few bad apples. You know what I'm saying? It's like even if they're not all the way a bad apple, you got people that kind of play both sides of the fence because it helps their political game and it help it helps them get elected and it helps them you know get higher jobs and bonuses and raises and at the end of the day i always come back to the morality and humanity part of it's like bro y'all are killing people like y'all are destroying communities and tearing apart families like at what point do we stop worrying about numbers and care about the people you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so yeah well now like she brings up this specific story between a rapper and herschel this rapper named young moose Shout out young moose yeah so young moose is a real person is he a real yeah he's a real rapper he's a real rapper right, i've been the, listening to moose since i was in high school yeah. yeah so like this song probably does exist so i may i may find the song i may <laughs> find the song sure it <laughs> so let me find the song so so that that connection of seeing that how she had she went to a rapper through his lawyer to talk about like how this one cop you know kind of like beat the living shit out of him like like what were y'all like because i enjoy how the sausage is being made i like this behind the scenes because like the stuff she's doing the stuff she's doing she, she they were never going to tell us what she did they're going we're going to find out her report that's what they always do is like they don't they don't show us how she got the report right. just the report what did she do? like and that's yeah. what i like about how like she she was in the community i agree with you i like her sentiment is it going to work maybe maybe not more on the maybe not part but seeing how like she actually went to young moose and said hey i I don't care about what you're doing i want to talk about herschel what did he do to you and then she also talks to another kid who got beat up and got cracked over over the side of head with with a got got pistol whipped and has this big old scar on his forehead and he had a beanie covering it right so like he has a beanie covering it so like seeing her like on the boots on the ground trying to get to know what's going on you know like you know she comes in with good intentions she 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 may she may get warped maybe or she may keep her good intentions and actually try to help something but i don't know if it helped or not because i don't live in baltimore i don't know what happened after two, 2018 or 2020 like like and tony i don't think you live there anymore. do you do you live in baltimore anymore tony yeah i live in baltimore yeah i thought you moved no 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 so so what happened was i, I started up when i was young in the ghetto i yeah. lived in the city for about 30 years and for the last 18 or so i've been in the county okay wait so which one when one of the homies moved that's not Davon. I know Davon moved. Davon moved to another no, state. No, but I, I know someone else moved. Wait, wait, um, time out. No, 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 time Raven out. Time Ron, out. Raven Ron, he lives he in Seattle. Else. He in Seattle. Yeah. Know that? Oh, no, no. Um, here's the thing. Andrew, you, were, you you were planning to move. You're you're planning to move, right, Tone? I, I would like to. No, because like no, because there's no, because there's one day that Tony was talking about moving to Texas like Austin or something no no yeah well it was a discussion of the family wanting to go to Texas okay. I would I would rather prefer Arizona Delaware I hope it don't maybe, yeah, yeah yeah okay maybe right. somewhere maybe somewhere down south yeah okay cool cool you better hope I it don't snow down there again them popsicle okay. steak houses they got <laughs> right I was saying I used to be stationed in South Carolina and one day it snowed like two centimeters and I promise you the whole city shut down everybody was crazy. <laughs> everyone was like everyone was like what is this white substance that's not cocaine but the crazy part was it was 90 it was um it snowed that morning but by noon it was 97 degrees that's global warming weirdest thing no this is back in no this was back in 94 95. that's when global warming started oh Oh, did it really we've been tearing this planet apart for quite some time now yeah that's global warming's been around here since like 1985. probably so yeah exactly so and now let's talk about like how she like goes to talk to John Ursel, like the mm-hmm. cop. And yep. the cop's like, he's he's out he, he eating crab, he eating like crushing the wings, bro. the wings, going like going like on the left, like just like straight up like straight up disrespectful. He's like, I don't care. And he was like, I ain't got no comment. Like, what was what was going through your feeling? Cause like that's I think that scene was supposed to like drive emotion. Well, what were you guys emotion through it, Deshaun? The first thought I had was there must have been some good ass wings. He was tearing about. He was tearing them toys up, but you know what I'm saying. Like I kind of expected that. You know what I'm saying. Like I figured somebody that is known as that type of dude wouldn't care about 
you know, the people, he would try to come up with some half-assed excuse to justify it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I, it didn't surprise me at all. I figured that would be the stance he took um, yeah. on the whole situation. But I do, like, thinking more about it, like, like you said, boots on the ground, like, doing the field work, talking to the people, like, you do got to appreciate, you know, her character doing that. And, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just goes back to show, like, at the end of the day, there is still folks in the, you know, who do care. Um, just unfortunately, their voices ain't loud enough. So, like, I don't think, I really think it partially has to do because, you know, she was a woman. She was new to the city. She ain't never really been to Baltimore. It's like, if in that situation, had they had somebody more intimidating, I don't know. I don't know how that would work. But, yeah, I just, I never expected him to take her seriously from the jump. Mm-hmm. Caleb, about you, my man? Uh, yeah, I just think he just feels justified in how he treats people because, he, you know, he's a cop, he's the good guy, and they're the criminals, you know? So he, he finds there's a clear division, so I can do this to them because they, they break, break the laws and know all what to do. And that's why he gives me justification of how, how I treat them. And also when she's uh, uh, interviewing the, um, the, the commissioner... You know, she, he know he knows that like, he's a problem. Like he, he knows like he should she could he should be out of there, but he, he feels like he can't do anything because the yes that yeah one of these complaints sustained, and then as soon as that happens, then he can get rid of them. But yeah, he just kind of feels like well, I'm trying to do something, but I can't I can't really do nothing. Tony, your thoughts, middleman? Well, I I felt like DJ Khaled. I was like, you smart, you loyal, <laughs> like you did the right thing, like. You, I don't care if somebody walks up to you on the street and is like, yo, I'm just a civilian needing some answers. You never admit to anything. And that's what got G Money caught up, running his mouth. Now, I I, I, I do fault her. Well, I'm going to say fault. I do have an issue with her. How, how should I say this? Her voice, so to speak. Because you had that new young black guy come over into the department. And mm-hmm. if you really wanted allies and somebody with you, you bring them along and show them the ropes. You find out who you truly have on your side and who you truly have backing you up. And I just thought that she maybe should have took him with her to kind of learn what was going on. And they could kind of tag team this and try to get better results instead of going K-Solo. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, now let's, let's swip it because, like, there's this thing that, like, kind of transcends both episodes where when 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 they do arrest somebody right and they put them on the stand and like and like they're they're ready to do a conviction they can't fill the jury boxes because no one's showing up for jury duty because no one's gonna believe the cop that yep. just talked because no one's gonna believe them even the good cop wants to tell the truth they're like nah, nah but you a cop and you look like the cop that beat my cousin up last week mm-hmm. i don't believe anything you say the man that they arrested could be the man who just murdered somebody last week. He may get off, or they may not even fill the jury, so they got to release him. That's the thing that threw me off, man. Not threw me off. That like that was fascinating. Is like the the cops are so rotten, and the relationship is so eroded to the point where people are willing to risk missing jury duty, which is one, a federal offense, mm-hmm. and it could be punished by fine and prison. To not talk to that cop because they know that cop's a liar. Yeah, that, that that blew my mind, bro. That's how that's how bad it is, bro. They're like, we're willing to miss jury duty and go to jail because I don't believe that man for selling the truth. But it's I'm even worse. It's even worse that it's even worse that they have a list of cops that can't come into the courtroom and testify. <laughs> like they have a ban list. Like that is ridiculous. Because they lie. Because they <laughs> lie. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Well, no, yeah, we're so not, like we're that's the fear they instill in the community, and you know what I'm saying. That's that's one of the realest aspects of the whole show to me is that collective fear and anxiety. You know, the community gets just around the police, just because of, and it's not because of stuff you see on TV all the time. It's like, you know, this is really happening every day. You know what I'm saying, like. Probably as we speak right now, there's a cop somewhere in East Baltimore City kicking somebody's ass that we don't even know hmm. about right now. Like, definitely, definitely in East Baltimore. Yeah. yeah, see, like that stuff happens way more often than, than people with camera phones can pick up. You know what I'm saying? Like I saw uh, a political cartoon one time that was 
a glacier and it shows like the, the tip of the glacier is poking out of the water. And this is the police brutality that's caught on camera. And the whole rest of the glacier that's submerged underwater is all the actual police brutality that takes place. So like mm-hmm. it's it's great that people are starting to like record and expose this stuff, but like it's still so much more that takes place yeah, that man. they don't really feel threatened. Because it's the thing too, because like it's also not like just physical violence. There's a point where it, it's like mental torture where you're like psychological const- Yeah, it's like where you're like in constant fear of like your entire life walking down the street. Cause you know, because I had a homie who grew up in East Oakland. And he legitimately was like, he woke up every day and he's like, it's today the day I'm going to die. You know what I mean? Running a stop sign shouldn't potentially cost you your life, yeah? Exactly. Like, yeah. like his thing too, like, his thing too about him was like, either the cops going to get me or someone else going to get me. Like, right. you know, so he's like, like, thank God nothing happened to him. He's actually at the University of California at Cal. That's what's up. That's what's up, right? But still, like, he lived, like, I didn't have to live in that, like, he lives, like, I legitimately lived in a constant fear of like, it's today my last day on earth. I say the last day I'm on it's like today that like the, like me saying goodbye to my mom is that the last time I do it right oh I just I just I just I just like um you know nuggied my little brother and messed with him in the morning it's the last time I'm ever gonna do it am I gonna come home for dinner hmm. am I gonna come home for dinner am I gonna come home like, that, that's that's I'm like yo that's why that's like imagine living your life like that man and I'm just like like that's that's just crazy to me that's that's that that messes with my mind I'm like but that's people's regular lives it's the way it is. Okay. Well, now let's well let's end it, guys. I think we've, we've gone about an hour. Let's end it with a more positive note. Actually, a good cop for once, right? He is a, a suitor played by Jamie Hector, um, Hecker, who's the one, the only. He is Marlo Stanfield from The Wire. Yes, Marlo. Marlo is a cop. It's the wildest thing. He's a cop, and it threw me off. He's real murder police. So, guys, what were your guys' thoughts on his storyline of him becoming? A new detective in the in the homicide department, and him like catching a case about a dude who like built a fence but didn't build a fence. But what are your thoughts on that one, guys? Like, to, yeah, to I, I, I was just like in the first two episodes, I'm just like thinking, like, what is this? Like, I yeah, I, uh, obviously he has some past history with Jenkins, but you don't really see that until the next episode uh, with uh, them being partners. So I'm just in the first two episodes, I'm just going like what's the point of this? Like, where are we going with this? Like, I don't really see the connection to what's going on over here with what he's doing with uh, uh, trying to solve this other, his first homicide case. Yeah. Tony? Um, so I, I wasn't, I wasn't getting that good cop feel. Oh. When, when, uh, when he and his partner were first going out and Gondo pulled up and was like, how much money y'all making? You know, what scam you getting into? It kind of let me know that he used to be a part of something. Now, he may have tried to get out of it, but he definitely was a part of it because just like there was another member, um, I think his name was Eric Snell. He actually went to Philadelphia and they got him, but he was a part of that unit, but he got out a little bit earlier than the others. Now, I think he he did well in the scene about the fence as far as cops go, because the angles that he took and the pictures that he were take he was taking, you know, I think he did good, but no, nah, I don't think he's a good he's a good cop. I just think he's trying to cover his tracks. Okay. Sean? I'm always gonna like Marlo Stanfield, bro. That's that's my guy. That's my guy. Anybody tagged into the fantasy football league we in already knows it's team Marlo. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, but um string a bell, baby. <laughs> but uh yeah, yo, I, I'm I'm interested in that character for real. Um I'm interested to see the route he takes and the role he plays, I guess in the end game sort of. Because it does seem to me that he and the Nicole Steele lady, I feel like they're eventually going to cross paths and try to, like, I hate to use the term team up just because it sounds so corny, but, uh, like, join forces. Yeah, like, join forces to try to uh, battle this corruption. Um, I think that him being a detective, you know, tells me that he's been on the streets as a cop. He's you know, seen some shit that he knows some things that he's tapped in because, you know, they don't just hand that detective badge out to anybody. So I'm interested to see um, the role he plays in the end game because it, t- it does seem like he's setting up to be one of the the, fine, the main protagonists um, in the end. You know what I'm saying? Or one of the more important pieces. All right. Yeah, man, I, I think I think 
Tony, Tony, you may have a, you may have a, a thing because I realized that scene with G Money in the parking lot, where he's with G Money trying to like get something out of him, right. and you know, and kind of like, yo man, what you doing this time, man? I know you, murder police ain't that lucrative, right? And you know, and and, and I think, um, and it's just like, cause like the the um, the city wants to run with this narrative that the guy got shot because he was building a fence to keep drug dealers out. But yeah. but 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 Suter's like that's not what happened, that's not what happened. Something else happened. Probably something like that. Some probably something he was in happened to him. Like he got you know he got got because he was in the game. Maybe I don't know. That's that's what it felt like. But yeah, man, it's it felt like it felt like even good cops got stank on him. You know what I mean? Like no one, no one got no one is gone without stank. Listen, Everyone got the stank, man. They had listen. It is it is literally impossible, in my opinion, for you to be a police officer and not know who the bad eggs are. Like yeah. it is literally impossible, especially if you've been in the precinct for a couple of years. So my biggest thing is, if I know who the offenders are and I'm letting them go out here and rob, shoot, kill, plant evidence on people, I'm a bad cop too, because uh -huh. I'm not doing I'm I'm not doing my job. I swore I swore an oath to protect the law and uphold it. And I'm not doing it by letting you, him, and her get away with all this stuff. Sean, you about to say something, Sean? No, I was just going to say, like, you may not be the one pulling the trigger, but a lot of times these cops, they stand around, they watch um, the George Floyd situation. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? There was like six cops, you know, a bunch of them just standing around, keeping the crowd back to make sure nobody interfered and potentially saved George Floyd's life. So... A lot of them cops that they may not partake in the actual crime itself, but they fully aware of what's going on. I agree. They just as complicit to me. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. I think I think you know, we've gone an hour. Uh, we've broken down these two episodes. I just want to get final thoughts on the two episodes and how y'all liking the show this far. Let's start with you, Caleb. Final thoughts. And do you like the show? Do you recommend it? Uh, yeah, I I really I'm really liking it. Uh, really can't wait to see what happens. How all this. Uh, Obviously, it's already history, so you already kind of know what happens. You just look it up. But uh, I, I just want to find out through the show just because I'm really liking it. So, uh, yeah, I, I do recommend it. I can't, see, I can't wait to see what happens. Deshaun? I really like it. I like um, the messages sending. You know what I'm saying? I always love uh, movies and TV shows that, that send a message. You know what I'm saying? That really speak to something that's going on. Uh, I appreciate and enjoy the fact that, you know, it's not something I necessarily had to run back to my dad and ask him about. You know, I was alive and around during, no, well, not around in the city, but I was alive and aware of what was, you know, taking place during the Freddie Gray situation. So it'll be definitely interesting to see how, um, I hope they portray that, you know, scenario, that situation. I, you know, want to see how they would, portray it and then compare it to the reality of the situation of what it was like back then but overall I think it's really well done I like the characters I like the writing I love the on location shooting that always makes for better you know TV so yeah, I really enjoyed it Tony um I love it and I hate it like I just love the aspect of it I love the accuracy of it the acting I love all of that but I hate the fact that we have another series that highlights Baltimore. I got enough flack with the wire. Like my friends outside of Baltimore are so scared for my life from watching the wire. They don't even call it Baltimore. They call it the wire. And I had an actual fireman hug me in, in, in Delaware. <laughs> I was working in Delaware and the guy was like, you have an accent. Where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Baltimore. He was just like, come here, brother, stay safe, please. And I'm, like, bro, it's just Vietnam, bro. <laughs> so, I mean, I, 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 like I said, I like, I like the accuracy of it. I just, I just don't like that they keep bringing out this stuff, making Baltimore look worse than what it is. But overall, it's a great show, and I can't wait to see what happens in the next four episodes. All right, man. Well, now let's 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 round it out. To Tony, where can people find you, my man? You can find me on YouTube at Ravens Online on Gatekeepers. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at our gatekeepers, and I'm on Facebook at Ravens on Gatekeepers. All right, Deshaun, my man. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jesus Double Underscore Nephew. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. 
<laughs> yep, find me at NFL Kid Twenty Two on Twitter and Instagram, and with you reviewing uh, the Oakland Fire on this channel. Yes, we are. We're gonna watch the uh, season. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we'll do it. We'll do it later or tomorrow. We'll do that one. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, guys. I'm Ferris Thon. You can find me at Ferris Thon on Twitter. I'm here on the Let's Get Ready Network, uh, just reviewing stuff. Uh, right, yeah, you see my name. My name is right there. Like it's right here. Like, I got one right more there. thing. Yeah, uh, Tony, I, I would, I would, I would like for everybody to wish Caleb a happy birthday. Yeah, happy Caleb, birthday, it, brother. Yeah, today, today <laughs> is Caleb's birthday, so happy birthday to Caleb. Uh, yeah, guys. Uh, thank you, guys, for um for watching. Make sure if you haven't liked and subscribed, like and subscribe. Comment if you like the show. You know, if you're from, you know, if you like the show, say yeah, you do. Why and and if you don't, why not? You know, just tell tell me. I want to know your opinions and feelings on the show. On that note, guys, thank you guys for watching. Like, subscribe, and have a wonderful night. Thank you.